2: This is One Heat Minute.
0: Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne You look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven you. Robbery, homicides, take care.
2: Give me all you got! This and- Give me all you got!
3: I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. i trying to stop guys like
2: me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time.
3: Great. I'm so happy to be here, too.
2: Heat, you and I have talked about it. Heat 2, you can see the novel has come out behind me. Everyone's talking about Heat, the beautiful... 4K re-release of Heat is now just hit the shelves. But I have to ask you, and I'm not sure if we ever covered this in our last conversation on One Heat Minute, what's your favourite composition in Heat? What is your favourite moment? I know that the fans who are going to be listening and watching this are going to want me to ask about certain scenes, but I'm not sure if I've talked to you about your favourite moment in the film.
3: You know, I don't know if there's a favorite moment. Favorite moment in the film. I was looking at it in a screening we did this last summer on a, on a decently big screen. It was a bit too dark, but it was okay. You know, it was a it was a small little town in the Italian Alps. So I mean, you know, these guys they did the best they could. I what I'm really pleased about it. I'm not sure, as you know, as you might know, there has been a an HBO program which is called One Perfect Shot. Yes. And in one of these, uh, they contacted Michael Mann who then brought in myself and the editor of Heat. So we had a, his program is, we participated to it with the, an interview that was made to me, very nicely shot. I think Ava DuVernay was the director yeah. of the program. And as a fact, which is not bad, I also recently received some money, which were the residuals for the program. meaning. <laughs> It probably has been kind of popular, which makes me, which is great I and mean, it makes me happy. What I'm really pleased about that movie is that it's uh, consistently good. I'm talking about my work, you <laughs> what I mean? It's, he uh, it doesn't have the, the usual falls that you kind of get when you are in a bad day or you're in a bad mood or things go wrong, or you know, or you have something that doesn't really work the way you would have liked to. And everything is pretty good at a good level. I remember having some tough times. towards the end of the movie. There's a famous scene, I mean, a scene at the airport. Originally, the idea was to, to Michael had uh, replaced, you know, the the, 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 the the end of the runway lights in the airport are usually very spectacular. There are a sequence of, with a strong perspective of lights mm. that show the plane how to land. And uh, the idea is that Michael had these boxes with red and white, squares recreated for the scene where the actors could, could play danilo and Pacino could play hiding themselves behind these boxes and uh, so the, these lights were reconstructed when I saw them on set I said Michael I mean why are we using these I mean which were obviously com- made a compromise that were smaller than the original yeah. existing lights at the beginning of the runway uh, I said, yeah, you know, why? Because I want to put them somewhere else and this and this, blah, blah, blah. I said, I doubt it's going to work. We got these amazingly beautiful lights here. Why don't we use them? But we had a very complicated shot, I think. A complicated shot in which those lights had to come out. So we had to do the shot doing a background plate, yeah. And uh, we put the green screen behind the mirror because the idea was that he was revealed by the lights coming up and Pacino saw a shadow on the ground. And so we did this shot of Robert De Niro coming out, revealing himself with his gun. And when he does that, the lights happen to come up because the plane is coming in to land. Mm-hmm. That reveals him to, to, to Al Pacino who then shoots and you know and, and shoots, shoots De Niro and that's the end of the movie. And I had shot the whole movie at 2000 ASA, and I needed to shoot a 2000 ASA in the airport scene because uh, you know that I needed the light. I mean it was an anamorphic movie, so the anamorphic lenses require some light, especially the zooms and things like that. Those was the were the early days of uh, you know of the effects. They had the help of uh, the computer, but it was the very early days, and uh, that uh vfx which now would be extremely simple to achieve mm. very effective and make it really correct and beautiful and very real in that case it really shows that it is a vfx you see the grain you see the of focus so it's a really um so really so so anyway but this you know as always as the story of the movie holds up so well you really don't care about the photography
2: <laughs> oh, no, that, that's, that's wrong. That's I, I would, there's the film overall, it still resonates. It has a massive impact such as that Michael and Meg Gardner can write a sequel novel and it can be a New York times bestseller. Like this film, I think when I spoke to you a couple of years ago for our original chats on one heat minute, I was one of those people that was always saying that this is an imp- important film and it stands the test of time so people exactly like probably tonight who are watching this conversation between you and i are gonna say well i come out i come out to this theater every year once a year when they put it on and now in 4k just so that i can see what i think is one of the best films ever made again in all of its cinematic glory and i think that has a lot to do with you so don't downplay. Well,
3: thanks. <laughs> just a little bit to do with Michael Mann as well.
2: Uh quite a bit. Quite <laughs> just a little. <laughs> There's a couple of moments, different parts of the movie that I love. One of them in particular is just a fleeting moment with Robert De Niro's Neil McCauley and Amy Brenneman, who plays Edie, when she's running away. And one of the things you said to me in one of our first conversations is, Blake. Los Angeles looks like the movies. When you put your camera there and the light is right, it looks like you're watching a movie. And there's that moment, he, he chases her up the hill next to her apartment and it's like a sunrise in Los Angeles. And I think yeah. that that's such a stunning, just couple of moments of shot. Cause it's so, it's just lit by what seems like the sunrise coming up. And it's just in that perfect fleeting moment, you capture that shot.
3: We were not super prepared on the scene. We kind of uh, scouted the, the day before the place or something like that. We saw it. And uh, I think the dawn came up as an accident almost because, uh, you know, yes, we were shooting and, and rehearsing and the actors and all this and that. At some point we got this amazing pink dawn. And, uh, and, you know, I put some simple light on the side trying to light that beautiful grass. Yeah, you run up to yes, uh, and then on the top it was kind of hard because for some reason. But uh, fortunately, I probably put some soft light on top. But but the moment is very strong, and both those actors are pretty good. I'm, I got to tell you, I was really surprised by how Amy Brenneman was emotionally holding up. She was, uh, you know, she was not nearly. I mean, she wasn't. She was working with a huge walled celebrity like robert de niro totally in control uh, relaxed uh, in control of herself and i think she did a pretty amazing performance you know all those scenes that to do with the first dialogue between de niro and amy from the terrace of the house uh that was also a, a first because uh, it was done with vfx yes and uh for the first time, one of the early times in which computer technology was used, I had to shoot the backgrounds. And the reason was that I needed to shoot the two faces with some kind of focus. Yes. Uh, again, it was the early one. So to me, you do see that there's something that is really kind of theatrical in there. It's not, it's not perfectly realistic.
2: He's seeing a recent, uh, some of the recent upgrades of it in the 4K, it starts to, you can you can tell that if there's one thing that Michael is tinkering with, it may be that scene of like trying to make it more seamless and photorealistic as as we've upgraded to different levels of, of uh of quality of the film
3: Well you know the, the, that's it. I remember we had a screening at the screening of the academy yes this movie, and uh, the screening was huge. I mean the uh, screening room was filled up with people, not all academy men members because they kept they made sure they had tickets for you know for regular non-academy member spectators, But I was, uh, what was stunning really is that people would start to applaud before the scene started because they knew the scene and they were so excited that they were going to see it. And you know, De Niro and Pacino were in the screening room together with Michael Mann. And so they would start to applaud and then cheer before the scene happened, <laughs> it's never seen seen in any screen. And then we had this dialogue with the debate First with Pacino, De Niro, Michael Mann, and chris no Christopher Nolan—was there. So I used to I wanted to provoke my Chris Nolan, and I said, uh, "And I said, you know, this movie is a better movie because it's being transferred to 4K digital." Yeah. And Chris Nolan turned to me saying, "I beg your pardon."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I beg your pardon. It was Really irritated, <laughs> or pretended to be. So, uh, and we were talking about these scenes, you know. And, and I told him, you know, listen, I mean, we used the computer for the first time in this scene with Amy Brenner. Bannister I did some tests and we shot some plates for the background. But he said, but what about the wide shot from behind? And he caught it right, because there's one wide shot from behind of the two leaning where you see this ocean on light. That is not computer. That is a live wide open with a 1.4 or 1.1 lens. You know, I shot to capture everything so who knows is chris nolan right <laughs> i don't think he is
2: maybe let's talk the diner scene i don't think we've ever even talked about the diner scene was that a crazy shoot for you to like
3: can you say it in english <laughs> the, diner?
2: the sorry the kate diner. mandolini's diner scene oh
3: sorry. you mean the dynasty take 11 you mean
2: yes take 11. I, take 11. I want to talk to you about that scene. Was it a crazy thing to light? Was it a crazy thing to orchestrate and to do? Or was it because they were just fixed in a spot? It was probably one of the easiest scenes for you in the movie.
3: We were talking with Michael. Do we put Pacino on the west side? Or do we put the near on the west side? Who is going to be lit from the left or from the right? You know, uh, I, I use my experience now and my technique to... Of course, to light both guys at the same time. Mm. We shot the scene with, the, I think it was, I don't remember, it was four or two cameras. Maybe it might have been four cameras, two on De Niro and two on Pacino. And um, as a matter of fact, Michael Mann says that the take 11 is the take that he used almost entirely out of, I don't know, 23 takes or something like that. Then we did other shots, wide shot from the side. Also a high angle, I remember, that we'd never used, that we really never used. Uh, no, it, it wasn't that difficult. We were, the difficulty was to, you know, to shoot with the cameras like that. If you put a camera in backlight on one of the actors, it becomes too bright a light yes. and you see the back of the other actors. So you got to balance everything. Uh, now that you have the bi and you can, intervene later, you could deal with that much easier. But back in those days, no, you had to do it right. Uh, I remember with Michael, he was suggesting we tried to harsh, make De Niro's face harsher. You know, Pacino also because of his age had already a real dramatic and dig down kind of face. Uh, you know, I crossed, I put a couple of banks of light soft boxes on the, one was lighting De Niro, one was lighting Pacino, so both were coming, they were making like a V. So one was lighting one face, the other one was lighting the other face. And then I tried to add a top light to, to make the light coming down on, on De Niro, which was a little bit harsher on him. But all in all, and you know, we put some light in the background so he wouldn't go completely dark. It was a very monochromatic place. Uh, I think uh, uh, Michael Mann had uh, Guzmano Cesaretti scout, hundreds of locations all over Los Angeles. And his final choice was uh, Kate Mantellini, which unfortunately is a place that doesn't exist anymore. And I say it's unfortunate because as you entered in that place where you could eat extremely well, it was the food was very good. You could see f- uh, four or five huge wall prints of the scene with De and Pacino, you know? so that's, Another reason why I'm a little sad (laughs) that the restaurant is not there. It hasn't been there for the last, I don't know, five, six, eight years or so.
2: And thank you so much again. You're the best.
3: Thank you. And uh, all the best to you and your evening at at the cinema.